0: Hey everybody, Robin Robbins here uh, with the Great Minds Drink Alike podcast. Um, how y'all doing out there? I hope you guys are doing good. I've got uh, Mike Stadola with me, Hey, uh, one of my favorites, like Hollywood Squares. I don't know how your screen's set up, but you know he's right below me. So our next guest, I've got Mr. John Ratliff. Some of you remember John. He was a speaker at uh, Bootcamp. Was it this year, John? I'm-
1: yeah, it was this year, just Holy shit. shit, short like, months ago, yeah.
0: It seems, seems like, like two
1: lifetimes ago, but yeah, it was uh, May of this year.
0: You know, you know, you're living a, a life when, when you like, like, what is it? Eight, month, nine months ago feels like two years. I mean, like, oh my God, I'm jamming so much in. So, um, so, so John is somebody who um, I've come to know. I think we originally met through, um, we met through Vern Harnish. I think originally were you were at that event I was doing with Vern. If you, rem- do you remember that? Yep. Were you there? Yep. Yeah, I was there. And so, so John um, actually, you know, he he grew. Well, so he's the founder of a company called AppleTree Answers. He he started that from scratch. He grew it um, through acquisitions, from a single office to twenty-four offices across the country. I think at the point when you sold it, it was about six hundred and fifty employees. Um, he's, you're now running the coaching division for Vern, um, Vern Harnish, Rockefeller Habits, which a lot of my members know Vern. They've seen him, they've had him speak at, you know, we've had him speak at our event and, um, and you, uh, at Align 5 in your, in your business now, you do primarily mergers and acquisitions. You got your hands on a lot of things. You know, when I was writing some notes, I was like, well, shit, I don't know. Are you running Vern's coaching? Are you doing mergers acquisitions? So... Um, you know, tell the audience just kind of what it is. I think, you know, what is your focus? What are you doing these days? Because I know you do the Vern Harness coaching, but you also do mergers and acquisitions.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. It's kind of all of the above. I I think I was lucky enough early on as an entrepreneur, um, I was probably, I don't know, let's say four or five years in. And I was, I was lucky enough, someone recommended that I read the E-Myth. And Michael Gerber in the E-Myth talks about pulling the curtain back and there's a whole different way. And that really began a journey for me of, of kind of becoming a better entrepreneur. And I got so much help along the way. Vern and I crossed paths probably the first time in I think 2004, 2005, I joined EO and, um, and I never would have gotten to where we ended up without all that support along the way. So I sold Apple tree, the call center company in 2012 and, Really, since then, I've been on a mission to make sure that other entrepreneurs that are kind of on that path, and it's a lonely road. I mean, right, Robin, your your members, the entrepreneurs on, on this call understand that it can be a really lonely path, and um, it's kind of been my life's mission to help that group of people. Like, that's my tribe. That's the, you know, I want to be a hero to the entrepreneur, and in some ways, that's strategic consulting. In a lot of ways, it's helping with m and I think you know, it's interesting you had Chris on before me. Negotiating is one of those skills that just doesn't get taught properly. And, and entrepreneurs really struggle to, to understand negotiating. They also really under, struggle to understand exit strategy. And it's it's kind of like this black box. And, you know, our analogy is that it, it's it doing MA properly when you've never sold a company before is virtually impossible. It's like trying to play golf for the first time ever. And you know you're playing against the, one of the top tour pros and the, there's no chance of a complete mismatch. So my mission in life is actually to help entrepreneurs navigate the trickier parts of the landscape and things that I got help with along the way and, and you know obviously worked out well for me. So that, so yeah, it's consulting, it's M&A, it's you know that that kind of whole universe. And the coaches organization that's about 250 people around the world, six continents actually that wake up every day and that's all they care about. Their mission is helping entrepreneurs. So it's pretty cool. Even though I have my hands in all sorts of different pots, there's there's really a, a thread that kind of ties it all together. And, and it's, that's what it is. And it when I, and I, I mean the, your, your people, like the the middle market, like gut it out from scratch, start it, like claw your way in and get it going. Like that's who needs the help the most. It's not, you know, we don't, we don't help five hundred million dollar companies and, and we help some hundred and 200 hundred million dollar companies, but really we're about like the ones that are crossing that line between like started it from scratch and we're scaling the wall and now we know like where we want to go, but we don't know how to get there. That that's who I love to to help and, and be involved with.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you think about it, like I think most people in business, myself included, you know, you start out for me, it was, I was just replacing a job, you know, and I needed a way to make money. And, you know, maybe, I think there's some people start businesses that have big visions. Um, but for me, it was just kind of, that was the sort of bleh. It was just like a, you know, Hey, I gotta get a paycheck. Um, and at some point you kind of wake up and you go, you know, I could probably grow this thing and how big could I grow it? And what could this be? And you start to, to learn that. Um, and, and you go, and you're right, you go on this journey, and then the, the acquisition, especially in the MSP space, because mergers and acquisitions are so hot in this space, um, you know, the message that I keep telling my members is, you know, you're in a very hot sector, there's a lot of money, there's mergers, acquisitions, you know, take advantage of that, take advantage of it, because it's not happening in carpet cleaning, it's not happening in, you know, I don't know, like...
1: sitting, I don't know,
0: whatever, you know, it's not that they're bad businesses, but you know, there's, there's this opportunity. And I think you're right. I mean, at at some point in your entrepreneurial journey, you, you get to a point where you go to yourself, you know what? I need to have an exit strategy. Yeah. And not even, not even because you're tired. I mean, sometimes you're just, you're tired and you're done. Sometimes it's like, I'm ready for chapter two sometimes like I think you mentioned to me with your with apple tree answers you woke up one day and said shit I got a lot of my my personal equity is tied. if <laughs> personal equity is tied in this if this thing something bad happens downturn in the economy I don't know one of your employees does some st- stupid shit in your like suit like you know maybe I should take some chips off the table right so yeah. I think most entrepreneurs, I mean, and I say, I say this, I'm saying most because I'm speaking from like, I, I mean, we've got, I've worked with over 10,000 clients. I'm an entrepreneur myself. I think we don't think, and I'm saying we, because I'll include myself in it. You don't think about the exit as much as you should. And you know you don't want to wait until you absolutely must exit to exit. Like You want to be thinking about this, what do, what do you say, like three to five years?
1: Yeah. Three to five years is ideal. And really uh, almost, the, you know, the the day you start your company should be the day you start to think about it. But, yeah, it
0: should be, but, but yeah, yeah, it ain't, ain't going to happen. Right. You know,
1: but yeah, I mean, most people are occurs. like, how
0: do I get a customer in here day one? That's like, that's right. the goal, you know? Right.
1: Well, yeah. the interesting thing too is that until Larry Page cracks the code on immortality, every entrepreneur is going to have an accident at some point exactly. and what we like to say is you either get to choose it elegantly or it gets chosen for you. And having your exit chosen for you is a really bad idea. Um, Whether you're going to pass it on to your kids, sell it to your employees, sell it to a financial buyer, sell it to a strategic buyer, or or just close the doors. You want to be really thoughtful about what that means and what that means to you. And I, we come across people all the time that say, "Oh, I'm going to worry about that down the road. I'll, I'll figure that out later. I, I have no interest in selling. I have no interest in this or that. I'll, I'll figure it out later. And then, you know, something happens. It could be disability. It could be a death in the family. It could be a divorce. They call them the, like, 70s or 60s or five. But you could get disenchanted and not want to be there anymore. And if you haven't been proactive and thought about it ahead of time, then you wake up one day and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, like now it's time, and you're behind the eight ball already. And that's where, you know, again, I talk about the playing field buyers are very sophisticated most sellers are very unsophisticated and that is a bad combination and if you are now an unsophisticated seller up against the clock or some sort of outcome that you know is forcing you into an exit now like like that compounds the problem tenfold and we're not saying we're not saying sell your business we're saying be ready at all times someone might knock on the door and say hey you, you guys are in a hot space. The MSP space right now is on fire for MA. Someone may knock on your door and it always goes like this Hey, have you ever thought about selling your company? And normally the answer is no, I, I haven't thought about that. And next thing you know, you find yourself with a, a sole source buyer and you're three quarters of the way down the path and you're in a total mismatch situation. And um, you want to be really thoughtful and in, in advance and, in case the knock on the door from whatever. Whatever the whatever the knock is, when it comes, you want to be prepared and you want to have thought it out in advance. So yeah. super, super important.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think, and, you know, getting your business ready for sale is no different than getting your business to be as healthy and successful and profitable and stable as possible. You know, I mean, you know, 100%. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like getting your house ready for sale. You know, like a lot of people are really lazy and sloppy and the, you know, the ice maker doesn't work and there's a big hole in the wall over there and the carpet's stained and it's a mess. Right. And so yeah. by getting your business ready for sale, it's not like you have to sell, but it, it actually disciplines you to create a product because your business is basically a product. Right. It disciplines you to think about. Hey, are our contracts aligned? Um, you know, do we have good cash flow, or do we have financial discipline? Um, I mean, you know, I know you and I've talked about, you know, when a sophisticated buyer comes knocking on your door and they say, show me your books and you send them an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, they're like, it, it, you might as well put sucker right across <laughs> the top. Right. You know what I mean? Like Discount like Walmart, discount right across the top because they're looking at you going, This doofus does can't even keep his books, you know, and so I can. And they might see something, they know something, they can get a multiple that you can't. And so they can monetize your business and they're not, they're not interested in paying you as much as they can. I mean, we get calls. So my company, we get calls all the time from people who, who are like, hey, can you introduce this to somebody who wants to sell? And what they're really looking for, they're not looking for a, a big multiple buyout. They're looking for the desperate, out of luck needs to yeah. sell uneducated, buy low, sell high. That's what they're looking for, you know? And exactly. so, you know, I think what you do, I mean, I know you and I talked quite a bit over this last year about creating a, what we call the BFCC club, the big fucking check club, you know, where we uh, we have our members and and it's all about getting your business ready to sell with a three to five year ramp so that you are, you know, in that mindset of, hey, maybe we don't sell in three years. But in three years, if we get ready for it, we're going to be a freaking awesome, profitable, well-run organization and there's profit and there's benefit in that,
1: you know? Amen. And think about it this way. The number one detractor. So I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a buyer, right? You're going to, you're going to take your capital. You're going to buy a company and put that capital at risk. And then you want to get a return. The number one detractor, the number one risk factor for the buyer is the entrepreneur being completely integral to the company. So if if the entrepreneur gets hit by the proverbial bus or pick your metaphor, and you now have to run this business without them and it won't run without them, then there's a lot of risk in that capital. So why not, as an entrepreneur operating a company, make yourself redundant? So you don't have to be there 80 hours a week. You don't have to miss your kid's birthday parties. You don't, you know, You're not like the central hub of everything. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially ones that have started from scratch, that's all they've ever known, right? What dumbass would ever start a company? It's like the worst job ever. It pays like a dollar an hour for the first few years. And we're totally beholden to the business. Why not take the time now to figure out how to not be beholden to the business? By the way, that's going to give you better life balance. That's going to give you better happiness, all those things. And- as a side benefit, it's going to raise the value of the company. So, exactly. yeah, uh, yeah it, it's and listen, I get it. I was there. I slept under the desk. I missed payroll. I I did all the stuff, but one day I woke up and I'm like, "There's a better way," and I don't need to be like my identity is not tied to. it. And this is so 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 important. If your business is like like your arm, like an extension of you, and you're so tied to it and it's part of your identity, it's probably going to wear you out really fast. You think about your business as something completely separate from yourself. You said it. Your business is a product. It's an asset that you're you're basically going to grow and nurture. And one day, someone else will value that asset and give you capital in exchange for the asset. And that's how to think about your company. It is not you. It is not your identity. It should be something that's separate from you that you nurture and grow. So. That's a,
0: so if somebody was watching this and they're an entrepreneur and they're thinking that all sounds great, what would be like if they're starting this new year, like what would be something they should do? Is there a, like start doing this? Is there a first step, second step you would recommend?
1: Yeah. So depending on where they are in their cycle, one of the easy, easy things they can do first off is to look at their finance situation. So if they just have a bookkeeper that's doing their that, doing their books. Look at maybe getting reviewed, that's that's like the first level, reviewed financial statements. If you've already got reviewed financial statements, you might think about getting audited financial statements. The longer the tail on your financial statements, either reviewed, audited being preferred, but reviewed at the very least. Number one, gives you the opportunity to really take a deep dive and, and look at your business from a different perspective and get a different set of eyes. But number two, it would give a prospective buyer a little bit more confidence in those numbers. So that would be number one. And number two for me would be take a really long, hard look in the mirror and say, if I got sick, and I had to leave for a month, would it be better or worse when I came back? And if the answer is worse, that's the first place to start. And that's a hard question for a lot of us to ask. And You know, oftentimes the answer is, oh my God, it'd be a disaster when I came back. So start looking at the areas where you can maybe delegate some things or you can automate some things or you can change some things around that don't always require 1000% of your attention. So that would be the first, for me, that would be the first thing I would look to do in the new year. And then, you know, you can start to take a deeper dive. Do you have the right employees? Do you have the right customers? Do you have the right mix? Do you have a, Here's another huge one that detracts value. Does, does one of your customers command 20, 30, 50, 80 percent of your revenue, or do you have a really diversified customer base? So that doesn't mean you get rid of the 80% of your revenue customer. It means you start to diversify and look look at some other areas. And there's a million more that follow on from there, but yeah. that's probably where I would start in 2020. Yeah. and
0: and yeah, the is financials, super, the yeah, financials are
1: huge, but this is super, super important. So we talk about a concept called we when when we sell companies typically we get outlier outcomes we get outlier valuations for our clients and everyone always asks me I had, literally i was on the phone with a friend of mine today we had an hour long conversation and he's like how do you get the outlier valuations and it comes down to this concept that a business is worth two different things one is the financial cash flow of the business and any MBA student from any reputable MBA program can tell you the financial value of a business. You discount the cash flow, you you pick your interest rate, and that's the financial value. But over and above the financial value is what we call the strategic value of the business. So if somebody were to own your company, what value above the cash flow might they be able to extract from the business? And The way we talk about this, we use a term called Rembrandt's in the attic. I'm sure, Robin, you're sick of hearing me talk about Rembrandt's in the attic. But the idea is, imagine there's a home for sale and it's worth a million dollars. And you and I and someone else are going to bid on that home. But I know, you don't know, the other bidder doesn't know, and more importantly, the seller doesn't know. But I know that 20 years ago, somebody hit a Rembrandt, an original Rembrandt. In the attic of that home. You might really like the kitchen. Somebody else really might like the backyard. You might bid a million oh five or maybe even 1.1 million. And the other bidder says, Oh, it's only worth a million. And the seller says, Wow, I'd love to get a million one for this house. But I know that if I buy the house, I get that Rembrandt that's hidden in the attic. I might be willing to bid two million, three million, five million. Who knows what, what that art is worth? Every company has Rembrandts in their attic that are worth way more than the cash flow of the business. But until they can really identify those and more importantly, reverse engineer the value for the buyer, knowing what the buyer could extract, it could be your customer list. Maybe you work with like blue chip pharmaceutical companies and you've got MSAs that are almost impossible to get with like the top 30 pharma companies. Well, someone else that wants to sell into the pharma space might really value those MSAs and they might be able to bring their products to those customers. It could be a piece of software technology developed. It could be your team. Like it's, it's hard to find talent right now. Your team could be a strategic value driver. There's a million more. We could, we could run through a a long list, but know the Rembrandts in your attic. And oftentimes here's the hint and the clue. It's often the stuff you totally take for granted. It's often the things so fundamentally good at you don't even think about them because you're amazing at those. There might be another company out there that totally sucks at those things, finding blue chip clients, whatever it is. And they would kill to get that capability, but you don't even value it because it's just who you are and it's, and it's fundamental. So everyone on this call, I think should go back. And it's a super fun exercise. Go back and think about, all right, if we were to sell to a B or C, and that's another clue. Company A might think this is a Rembrandt for them. Company B might care less about that, but they love this part over here. So go back and look at your companies and think about, all right, what's the, what's the Rembrandt in our attic or what are all the Rembrandts in our attic and who might value those? And most importantly, how much may they val- might they value those things? And that's where, A, it's a fun, like I said, it's fun. But B, that's where you start to really change your perspective on the strategic value of your company and not just the financial value. Yep. So many times you hear your industry trades at seven times, and everyone thinks, oh, well, we make a million a year times seven, we're, we're worth seven million. We've seen companies that in industries that trade at seven, we've sold for 23 times because they've got a Rembrandt in the attic that somebody's like, and, and we always I gotta laugh. have it. Yeah, they gotta I, I, have it. I'd like to have it. I'd love to have it. I have to have it. As soon as you get to have to have it, like you just said, then it's, it's, it's game on and then negotiating. So it's fun to do. And, and every business has them, even if you don't think yours does, every single business has those Rembrandts. Right. Very cool.
0: All right. Well, man, we are right. We are up against time. So um, I appreciate you being here. Um, I know we're going to be working together more in the next year with our members which is yeah. very, very cool. Cause I know a lot of our producers club members specifically, cause there are high end members. They're the ones who are most ambitious. I think I shouldn't say that. I know I shouldn't say it cause I, you know, but they're the ones that, that we, we engage with the most. There's a lot of them. They're, they're really serious about growing their business and, and really having an excellent business too, you know, so that they can exit at some point. So I know we'll be working together. If people want to know more about you, John, where did they go?
1: Yeah, so our our website is Align5, A-L-I-G-N, the number five.com. There's tons of stuff there. Same thing as Chris videos and, and all sorts of resources. Um, and if anyone wants to have a one-on-one or like a conversation just to kind of run through, they can email our chief of staff. It's Kristen Kopp. So it's K, and she may put it in the chat, I think. But it's K, K-O-P-P, at Align5.com, and Kristen can get anyone set up so yeah we again it's a mission I I, I, it sounds like a platitude Robin but and I know you're wired just like I'm wired it's a mission to help the entrepreneur because somebody helped me along the way and it changed everything for me and if I can do that my my days of success if I can do that one time and that's that's why we wake up that's why you wake up every day it's why I wake up every day I feel a kindred connection to you Plus, it's, I it's love
0: fun. prison. Yeah. Yeah. I love fun.
1: Bella Gloss. I can see that over your shoulder. So I
0: got bell Gloss. I got Silver Oak. I've got this and Camus. special.
1: They're literally like my three favorites. So, yeah. There you I, go. I, I knew we, we were.
0: Big ass prisoner. This Methuselah bottle, which I look at this bad. This thing is like carved glass. See, this is not a sticker on here. This is actually carved into the glass. So I'm working my way through it, man. I'm doing my best. I'll be That's on the floor. Impressive. <laughs> That's
1: impressive. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. All right. Thank
0: you, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for the work you do. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.